Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you remember the account of the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and asked what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus answered by reciting the commandments. The ruler responded to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus told him this, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Jesus did not say, sell all your excess possessions, or even sell all that you have except for your basic necessities. He said, sell all that you have and give to the poor. This has to be hyperbole on Jesus' part, right? How could Jesus have expected this young man to give up everything that he had, which was certainly a lot? That seems unreasonable, doesn't it? No one could possibly sell all that he has in order to follow after Jesus, could they? Just a couple weeks ago, we heard of a man who did, Simon Peter. He had taken in a miraculous catch of fish, so many fish that two boats were filled, even sinking under their weight. Every fisherman's dream. And yet, when Jesus called him, saying, from now on you will be catching men, Peter, along with James and John, left everything, even all of those fish, and followed Christ. What happened to the fish? Peter did not bother selling them in the marketplace. His boats and nets and fishing gear, he left them on shore there with the piles of fish. That hyperbolic, unreasonable invitation that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler, Peter did it. But Peter is a saint. Of course he left everything he had to follow Jesus. That is why he got to be an apostle. Surely such a total devotion cannot be expected of an average person like me or you, except just this morning we heard of 4,000 people who did the exact same thing. Now, from the context of the parallel passage in Matthew, we know that Christ had just returned from the cities of Tyre and Sidon, and with his disciples he had climbed a mountain near the Sea of Galilee. There, great numbers of people flocked to Jesus, both to have their loved ones healed and to hear his word. Some even came to him from a great distance. A day passed as these 4,000 plus people listened to the word of eternal life. But when evening came, no one bothered to head home. They thought nothing of staying overnight without lodging. If it meant that they could continue listening to Jesus as he taught them the word of truth. The second day came and went as they listened to Jesus. By the third day, whatever provisions they had brought along were now gone, yet the people never grumbled, for they were living on every word that came from the mouth of the Lord their God. In the end, it was Jesus who noticed that they had no food. Again, can you actually imagine somebody setting aside every earthly need for the sake of Jesus? You heard it this morning. 4,000 people did in Galilee almost 2,000 years ago. 
So if Peter and the other apostles and these 4,000 people on the mountain, if they could leave everything behind in order to follow Jesus, why do we find that idea so absurd? It is because we consider ourselves to be very practical, reasonable people. To be down to earth, no nonsense, frugal people. These are good traits in our eyes. Getting your money's worth. Getting a good deal. And who doesn't like a good deal? All these things are highly prized among us. Nobody wants to be a sucker or a chump or a fool. Who wants to actually fall for those internet scams? And to be fair, prudence is a virtue when speaking about the things of this life. Even in the Bible, and in particular in the book of Proverbs, we find praise for the prudent man, for his wisdom. The problem is when we try to ascribe these things to heavenly manners. Many try to assess the Christian faith according to such principles, and treating the faith as if it were a new car or a timeshare. Is it worth it? Does it work? Will it work for me? What do I Get out of this. In fact, this is a particularly American way to view the Christian faith. Churches, even the largest in our country, are founded on and operate according to this method. They treat God as if he were a commodity of service for sale. It is as if you were a customer. And so, according to that mindset, it would take an unimaginable return on investment in order to be willing to give up everything. Peter had to get himself an out-of-this-world bargain if he was going to give up two boatfuls of fish. The 4,000 needed the deal of a lifetime if they were going to spend three days on the mountain without food or lodging. And as for that rich young ruler, well, I guess the price wasn't right for him. What about you? Frankly, the Christian church in the United States has never really had to count the cost of following Jesus. The price of being a disciple has not been very great to this point. In fact, it has been so low that many dismiss it altogether, assuming that you'll be able to pay it later. How often do we skip church for the sake of a sporting event or a social gathering, a hobby, some other pastime or inconvenience that arises? Assuring ourselves that the church will still be there next week. How many times have we allowed an opportunity to confess our faith to the neighbor slip away, reasoning that it would cause this kind of trouble or that kind of nuisance? How frequently have we neglected to do good works, calming our consciences by the way of appealing to this or that obligation? Ultimately, this is why that total sacrifice Jesus asked of the rich young ruler or Peter or the 4,000 is so unthinkable to us today. Not only do we not expect to give anything to follow Jesus here and now, we often expect him to work around us and our needs and wants. But the vows that you made at some point in the past, these vows say otherwise. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? If so, answer, I do, by the grace of God. I do, by the grace of God. 
Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word and deed remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? These are the words that you all spoke when you were confirmed into the church and now here again today. Though it may seem otherwise in our land, the reality is Christians should be ready to suffer the loss of all even their lives, in order to follow Jesus. Just like Peter and the 4,000 were. True, the call to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor in order to follow Jesus is not necessarily universal to all Christians, but it is not necessarily exclusive to the rich young ruler either. Such a sacrifice just might be asked of you at some point especially as it seems as our nation draws further and further away from our respect for, let alone an honor for, the church. But at this point, I must be clear, the reason that we should be willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ is not that we have weighed the cost versus benefit and decided to follow Jesus as the better deal. Your devotion to Christ is not a matter of getting the most bang for your buck. The Bible does not view you as a consumer shopper in the marketplace of religions, opting to go with God. It does not appeal to you as if it were an advertisement reaching out to the customer. No, rather in our epistle this morning we heard the biblical view of a human being, of you, and that is a slave. You are not, nor have you ever been, a spiritual free agent. Instead, you have always been and shall always be in subjection. The question is, to whom? Again, this is what the Apostle Paul was writing about in our epistle today. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. According to Paul, who is self-inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, you are either a slave of sin or a slave of God. There is no neutrality. Every human being is in subjection, either to sin or to righteousness. Naturally, at least since the fall of Adam and Eve, we all begin as slaves of sin. And such slavery is known by its fruit, sinful deeds. Pick a sin, any sin, drunkenness, violence, adultery, crude language, homosexuality, cheating, stealing, lying. Why do people do such things? More often than not, these things end in heartbreak and loss, and eventually, as Paul writes, the end of those things is death. So why would anyone want to follow such an awful path and do such terrible things that lead only to destruction? Yet you know very well that in every town and city, every day, in every home and workplace all around the world, people do these things. They sin. They are either ignorant of or dismissive of the consequence. That 
is slavery. That is the proof of what Paul is writing here. Whether they want to do such things or not is irrelevant. They do it because they are slaves of sin. And the wages of sin is death. A cruel master indeed. But Paul writes, if you are a Christian, then you are no longer a slave of sin. Rather, you are a slave of God, a slave to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. You became this through your baptism. This is what we heard last week in our epistle, which comes from the first part of Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For one who has died has been set free from sin. In order to be set free from that sinful slavery, you have to die. And in your baptism, you did die. And so you were set free from sin, but you did not die alone. At the font, you were baptized into Christ's death. Your baptismal death is Christ's death, which means that your baptismal life, the new life that you live now, is Christ's life. Therefore, you who have been baptized into Christ are no longer enslaved to sin. Rather, you are truly free in him. But how can death, especially a watery death like baptism, set you free from sin? Are not the wages of sin death? Yes, but Jesus himself died to sin once for all. Though he never sinned, being perfect, he took our sinful place, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. For your sake God made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Christ, who is true God, became true man, and so became our perfect substitute, taking our sin upon his sinless self, dying the death that was our rightly deserved wages. But Christ paid those wages in full for you, even for the whole world. In paying those wages, he also purchased and won you from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. That you may be his own. If you are a Christian, if you have been baptized, then you are no longer a slave. But that does not mean you are no longer a slave. For you have been purchased and won from your formerly cruel and wicked and evil master by a good and gracious Lord, Jesus Christ, who loves you. And because of that love, he has for you a free gift, eternal life. And so in Christ you are truly free from sin, free from guilt, free from the condemnation of the law. But that does not mean you are free from the law altogether. It remains your rule and your guide. For those set free from sin are not free altogether. You now belong to the Lord in whose name you have been baptized. 
This brings us back to the matter of following Jesus. I said earlier that the reason you should be willing to suffer all in order to follow Christ is not that you are a customer who have found Jesus to be worth the price. No, rather we should all be willing to leave behind everything for the sake of Christ, simply because he is the Lord and we are his. We follow him regardless of what we might be leaving behind because that is what Christians do. So even if he should say, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and follow me, then our only proper response is amen. Your will be done. In essence, this is the pledge that every Christian makes every morning. Making a pledge to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away, seems to be a very severe expectation for people to make. But do not worry. You belong to the Lord. He has promised to provide for all the needs of the body. And more than that, he has promised to provide for all the needs of your soul. He will take care of that. After all, he had compassion on the 4,000 plus who had nothing to eat. From seven loaves, he fed them abundantly such that they were all satisfied. And they still had seven baskets full of leftovers. And this after feeding their souls for three days. As for Peter and the other apostles who left everything behind to follow Jesus, well, he took care of them too. He was patient with them as they questioned. How could he possibly feed so many people in such a desolate place? He received their humble offering of seven loaves of bread, and he used those loaves in this miracle. And they too were fat, fed in their spirit by his precious word, fed in their bodies by the multiplied loaves. So again, do not worry. Yes, you are a slave of righteousness now. And yes, Christ has called you to come and follow him regardless of the cost. But he is and ever shall be your gracious and merciful Lord. He is good. So follow him without fear, even if that should be self-denial or sacrifice. Regardless of the, of the cost, Jesus will take care of you. He loves you. You belong to him. He knows you by name. Like he did for that hungry crowd of 4,000 plus people long ago, he will provide every need of your body and life. Even better than that, he will provide for your utmost needs of the soul, forgiving your sins, strengthening your faith, feeding you even with the bread of heaven, his very body and blood, that you might be strengthened and preserved as you follow him in body and soul into life everlasting. And that alone outweighs any loss here on earth. Indeed, it was for this purpose that Christ died for you, and for this purpose that you have been baptized into his death and resurrection, that you might receive from him the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.